we are by ourselves tonight. Uh, over the next several weeks and months, uh, Staten Island is going to have their own midweek services. It's been great having them around, but uh, tonight is just going to be us. But it's great to see everyone. Again, like I started to say on Sunday, uh, we're celebrating Black History Month, where we highlight and recognize the achievements of Black people in the development of our country. And tonight, I want to hold up Shirley Anita Chisholm. She lived uh, from 1924 to 2005. Uh, she is here from Brooklyn, and uh, she was the first female African-American to not only hold a seat in Congress, but to seek a major party's nomination for presidency in 1972. By 1964, she became the second African-American in New York state legislature following Edward A. Johnson. According to Women's History, Chisholm was responsible for introducing more than 50 pieces of legislation and championing racial and gender equality, the plight of the poor, and the ending of the war in Vietnam. There's actually a park named after her right off the Belt Parkway that uh, when it gets warmer, prayerful in the spring, I actually want to go over there. I, I understand it's a beautiful, beautiful park. And, uh, and just have a time of prayer overlooking the water right here off the Belt Parkway. But tonight I wanted to highlight Shirley Anita Chisholm as we celebrate Black History Month. I've titled my lesson tonight, There Were Two Trees in the Garden. There were two trees in the garden. In Genesis chapter two, beginning in verse 15, the Bible says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to walk it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. If you look at the earlier version of the NIV, it simply says you will surely die. So there were two trees in the garden that the Bible tells us about in Genesis chapter 2. And the scripture tells us that they were in the middle of the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like you've heard me say so many times, the Garden of Eden was a perfect place. So much so that God gave Adam and Eve dominion over the animals, over the trees, and told them to walk it. There was only one restriction. And we find that restriction right here. Genesis 2.17, when God told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when they ate of it, they were certainly going to die. There is a concept that I spoke about many a while back, but I want to I talk about it again tonight as we begin looking at this topic. And that is the principle of first mention. The principle of first mention. You say, what is the principle of first mention in theology? It's simply understanding what a word means the first time it is used so that you and I can understand what it means in the rest of the Bible. That's all it is. Anytime you talk about a principle from scripture, it must be consistent and jive with the rest of the Bible. Tied into the principle of first mention is the law of context and consistency. The law of context and consistency. 
Everything you and I read in the Bible must be read in context. Who is God? Who is the Holy Spirit talking to him via the writers of the scriptures? What prompted the passage I just read in Genesis 2, 17? That's why it's important that you and I always take the Bible in context. Last Sunday, I mentioned the fact that people use this same Bible to justify slavery. Now, you can use the Bible to justify anything you want. It doesn't take a lot of work to do that. But we must always remember that we got to take the Bible in context. Let me give you another example. We're told in scripture that when Solomon ascended the throne, God, for example, told him, ask me for whatever it is you want. And he asked God for wisdom. And obviously, God gave him a lot of wisdom. So much so that God says, no one will have such wisdom going forward. Let me ask you this question. What did Solomon do with all that wisdom? He married a ton of wives, a lot of them, a thousand to be exact. So many wives and so many concubines. But he had a thousand women at his disposal. It's like somebody saying, well, you see, Solomon, polygamy is in the Bible because Solomon was very polygamous. And so as a result, the church cannot tell me that I cannot marry more than one wife because Solomon had many wives and he was, quote unquote, the wisest man in the Bible. You see, if you tried that, you'll be taking the Bible out of context because yes, Solomon did that, but what was God's intent from the beginning? Again, you'd have to go back to Genesis 2 where it was one man one woman, and they came together and became one flesh. That was God's intent from the beginning. So we got to be very careful that we do not take the Bible out of context. The fact that God condones certain things doesn't mean that we do the same thing. Again, context is everything. Again, it's easy to take verses out of context. In theology, it's called contextual exegesis. Contextual exegesis. When you take a verse and you use it out of context, you are committing what theologians call contextual exegesis. Okay? And so, for example, it says in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, Genesis means beginning. That's what that word means. You will see that same wording again in John chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. If you had to read only two books of the Bible, to try and get an understanding of all of it. Genesis and the Gospel of John will be two great books to choose. Because both places says in the beginning. Genesis shows us how God created the world. 
and his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And John shows us how Jesus came and redeemed the world. And so honestly, just by reading Genesis and the Gospel of John, you can get a pretty good idea of who God is and what God is trying to do, even today. Now let me go back to Genesis chapter 2. He says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to walk it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Let's talk about the beginning of death. If I were to ask you, what is the cause of death? What would you say? What is the cause of death? I can't see anybody and I can't see anything in the chat. You can go ahead and type it in the chat. What is the cause of death? Sin. And I'm going to ask Mike Facey to tell me in a little bit. Okay? Just write whatever it is you want to write in there. What is the cause of death? With that answer, I'm sure a lot of you... Okay, before you even go on. Mike, what are people saying? Yeah, I'm saying sin, jealousy, illness selfishness, disobedience, okay. uh, disconnection to life. Awesome. Thank you. Many of you said sin. Many of you named some sins. Somebody said disobedience. Okay? You see, when we, when we say sin is the cause of death, here's what happens to us as humans. We end up trying not to sin. It imposes for us as Christians to live a sinless life. You know, you and I cannot go through life thinking, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. That's not what the Bible is. Yes, as Christians, we are, we are called to walk in righteousness. But let me ask you another question. What caused Adam and Eve to sin for the first time? It says in Genesis 2.17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly or surely die. This is the first mention of the word die in the Bible. The word die, died, dies, dying is mentioned 59 times in Genesis. 59 times in Genesis. Adam and Eve heard the word die from God in Genesis for the first time. Look at the language. It says, you will die. And I put it in bracket there. The 1986 version of the NIV says, you will surely die. In other words, you will cease to exist. The certainty of death is prescribed in this passage. There was no getting around it. Remember, I told them this in Genesis 2.17. It says, if you eat from that tree of knowledge of good and good, you are going to die. What did the serpent say to Eve when he showed his face in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4? Satan goes, you will not certainly die. Again, I asked you a few minutes ago, what is the cause of death? The cause of death is not sin. What did Satan do here? He outright lied. 
by saying you will not certainly die. The word lie isn't used, but the principle is right here. That's the first time we see it. Is it any wonder that Jesus calls Satan the father of lies in John chapter 8? John chapter 8, verse 44, to be more exact, when he said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was the murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. You see what Jesus did there? He says he was a murderer from the beginning. He's referring to Genesis. When he said, you will not certainly die. Satan lied to Adam and Eve. And they bought into his lies. Instead of listening to the voice of God, they listened to the voice of the devil. That was their choice. And so, remember, the Bible is very consistent. You can, write this message, you can write this passage down, this reference down, Genesis 18, verse 15. The first human that we know that lied was Sarah, the wife of Abraham. In Genesis 18, you can go look it up. Brothers and sisters, the cause of death, which is also the cause of sin, is unbelief. Adam and Eve had a choice to believe God or to believe the devil. You see, some of us make the mistake of focusing on our behavior. We need to focus on believing God and his word. Our beliefs determine our behavior. If you believe pornography is sin, then you would not indulge in it. If you believe that walking in sexual purity in your marriage brings a blessed, a blessed marriage, then you will walk in purity. The cause of death is unbelief. Not believing what God says in his word and choosing to believe the devil by default. Adam and Eve did not believe God. They chose to believe Satan. This is huge. Remember, this whole concept, this is the first time we see it in scripture. And that's why sometimes it's good to just take your time and, and dig deeper. You see, what, what, what is God doing here? Because it affects everything else going forward. And so let me ask you this question. What is the consequence of death? What is the consequence of death? In Genesis 3, verse 22. I made reference to this on Sunday, but here's the passage. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Knowing good from evil. Excuse me. Knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to walk the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Brothers and sisters, God was very serious about not letting them eat from the tree of life. He put angels with flaming swords to guard it. Now, 
This may sound to you like judgment. It wasn't judgment. If anything, it was grace. Remember, once they ate from the tree of good and evil, they were spiritually separated from God. They were in a fallen state. They were separated from God because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. Had they been allowed to continue to live in the Garden of Eden? Have they been allowed to eat from the tree of life in that fallen state? They would have remained in that fallen state forever. For all of eternity. Like I said, son, like I said on Sunday, Adam and Eve will be living on Flatbush somewhere and still be alive to this day. And every other person that has lived will still be alive on this earth. And so when God banished them and put swords to guard the way to the tree of life, it was a measure of grace. It wasn't judgment. Because remember, you had already told them in Genesis 2 that if you eat of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, you are going to die. Death was certain. God had to get, out, get them out of the Garden of Eden permanently. You see, you may ask, so where's the Garden of Eden? That's a totally irrelevant question. Even if you knew the location, you couldn't go in. If you and I knew where it was, we couldn't even go in there. And so it's an irrelevant question. Now, there's no record also that Adam and Eve even told their children, Cain and Abel, the location of the Garden of Eden. Let alone us in the 21st century trying to figure out where it is. It's a fruitless exercise. Because even if we discovered where it is, we couldn't go in. Some people there well, well, looks, we're still looking for the Garden of Eden. Good luck. I guess they, 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 they probably never find it. And if they did, they couldn't go in. How did God fix their problem? God sent his son to redeem them and to redeem us by extension. The plan was set in motion for God to buy them back, for God to redeem them. Okay? Brothers and sisters, we have two choices. There's always been two choices. Tree of life or tree of death. These are the only two choices we have. We have no knowledge that they ever ate from the tree of life in the Genesis account. I said that on Sunday, and I'll say it again tonight. Before Satan shows up and tells them to go eat, you know, you will not certainly die. We have no record that they had been eaten from the tree of life. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but there's no record of it. All we know for sure is that God said they cannot be allowed to eat from the tree of life after their unbelief and disobedience. That much we do know. Many times in life, we think it's a question between right and wrong. It's time to start thinking and looking at the choices we make daily about life and death. And when I say death, I'm not talking about natural death. I'm talking of the second death. Because we are all going to die for sure based on them violating the command that God gave in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. Physical death is certain. But because we are not Christians, we are not going to experience what the Bible teaches as the second death. And that's why in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, you can go read it in your spare time. The whole chapter talks about, you know what? Here are the 
consequences and blessings for obedience, and here are the consequences and ramifications for disobedience. And at the end of it, it says, choose life. Choose life. Choose life eternal. Because yes, amen, Jesus came into this world to die for us. And so, because of that redemption, because we are now born again, when that on Eve sin, mankind, quote-unquote, died once and for all, spiritually. And so that's why scripture says we have to be born again. you got to come to into the New Testament to find that concept. And that's why Jesus says you have to be born again so that you and I will not experience the second death that Revelation talks about. Because we're all going to stand up one day and give an account for our lives, even after we die from this world. But according to scripture, because we're Christians, because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus, we are not going to experience the second death. And so I want to encourage us, even as we continue to look this year about our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and our relationship with the lost world, get deeper into your Bible. I am so thankful that we have this book, that we can read it and understand it, that we have several copies of it. Get in there. Your eternity before God depends on it. My eternity before God depends on it. You know, when I, when I came to this country back in 1980, several of my classmates, my African classmates, they were sleeping around and wanting to marry, quote unquote, Americans so that they could change their visa and get the green card, which is permanent residency. I refused to do it. I was not a disciple at the time. I believed in God. I went to church. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. When I get married, it's because I want to spend the rest of my life with someone. And several of them did. And if I'm not mistaken, to my knowledge, all those guys that did that, they all divorced today. Every last one of them. They all divorced. Another thing that motivated me, even back then, was I didn't want to have a child out of wedlock. I had no idea what, quote-unquote, a great marriage would look like. All I knew was, even back then, you know what? When I marry somebody, it's going to be for life. I wasn't going to get a divorce. Because I, came, I, I come from a broken home. And I didn't want to put my kids through that. And so I said, you know what? I'm not doing this. And I didn't. You see, the question is, it's a choice between life and death. That's what it is. The choice is between life and death. Even as we go about our daily lives, as we make decisions, the, the choice is between life and death. It's not between wrong and right. It's not between right and wrong. It's between life and death. And that's the big picture that I want us to see tonight. Again, obedience to God is throughout the Bible. We see the disobedience of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. During the days of Noah, we see obedience and disobedience from the Israelites. We're talking before and after, the, and after Egypt. We see the cycle of rebellion and disobedience. 
Brothers and sisters, that has been the story in every generation. I mean, look at our generation. People believe in all kinds of things. People are trying to do all kinds of things. It's not new. It's been going on forever. The question is, are people going to choose life versus death? It's not a question of right and wrong. We cannot violate this principle. It's been there from the beginning. Is it any wonder in John 14, in verse 21, when Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, another version says, and obeys them, is the one who loves me. Notice, it doesn't say whoever has my command and believes them is the one who loves me. No, it says if you keep them, if you obey them, that is the definition of the fact that you love Jesus. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. And so let me ask you, how much of the scriptures are you obeying? It's not a question of belief. It's not a question of, okay, I don't want to sin. I shouldn't sin. I shouldn't sin. I don't want to do wrong. I need to do right. No, 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 no. Are you obeying God? Are you listening to the voice of God? Or are you listening to the voice of the devil and of the things of this world? And like I say, if you and I are not following this, we are following the devil by default. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. In John 14, verse 15, earlier, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And so I'm asking you, for those of us who are parents tonight, am I obeying God in my parenting? Am I not exasperating my children, which simply means you are, I'm not provoking them to anger. Am I, am I, am I um, disciplining them when, I, when, they, when, 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 when they do not obey? Again, discipline is in the scriptures. Are, are we being the model that we need to be for them as, as parents? On your job, are you obeying God? In traffic, are you obeying God? The way you treat others, are you obeying God? It comes down, down to obedience. Yes, we're all going to die. Unfortunately, what those guys did back in Genesis 3, it was over. But we don't have to experience the second death. And we will not experience the second death as Christians if we stay faithful till the very end. If you go read, I'll do a lesson on the, one of these days. If you go read the, the seven letters in Revelation, there is, the, there, is a, there is a common refrain in all of them. He who, over, he who overcomes will inherit all this. Heaven is a place for overcomers. This life is tough. It's not easy. If the Christian life was easy, everybody in New York would be doing it. Everybody in this world would be living it. This world is a mess. And it's getting worse. But you and I, the Bible says, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Where people see us and they see our lives and they go, you know what? There's something different about him. There's something different about her. And that's where it comes in, where they need to see our obedience to God. When people ask, how come you are this way? How come you don't lie? How come you're not cheating on your wife? How come you're not cursing like everybody else? How come you don't get drunk? Is because I am obeying God. 
And that's going to be our testimony. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to decide daily to choose life by obeying God. There's going to be a second death. When death and Hades will give up their dead, like it tells us, and then death and Hades will be tossed into the lake of burning sulfur. Again, one of these days, I'll teach a lesson on it. You better buckle up. Judgment is certain. But because you and I are Christians, because you and I, Jesus has died for us, and we, we've, we've come into a relationship with our God by repenting of our sin, by making the decision to be his disciples, and by getting immersed in water for the forgiveness of our sins, that's the only reason why God is not going to condemn us. That's the only reason. That's our ticket to eternity. And that's why you and I will not experience the second death. But you see, there were simply two trees in the garden. They had access to the tree of life, and they had access to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they made the wrong choice by listening to Satan's voice instead of listening to God's voice. And so I'm asking us this evening as I wrap this stuff up, whose voice are you listening to? Only you can answer that question. Whose voice are you listening to? Like I shared with some of us earlier, like got on the Zoom early tonight, my team won uh, in the semifinal game. So we're playing in the finals on Sunday. And uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't curse. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't sin as I was watching the game. You know, it went into penalties. Uh, we went up 1-0 and then the other team equalized with three minutes left. And um, it went to extra time and it went to penalties. And Nigeria has not been very great with penalties in penalty shootout. And so what did I do? I got on my knees. I'm not going to lie. I got on my knees and I raised my hand. I said, God, please. And that's all I was doing throughout the, the entire thing. And we won it by, by penalties. And so we're going to be in the final on Sunday. So I'm praying that on Sunday, it's going to be double celebration. That we're going to win the Cup of Nations. And then later on that evening, my homes and Kansas City will, will lift the Lombardi Trophy again. Back to back. That's my prayer. But I'm a happy man tonight. But I had a choice to make this afternoon, even as they were messing up in, in some of the plays. I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to go there. And I didn't. And I'm thankful. To, I, 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 but I, I, chose, I chose life. And so I want to encourage you, take a picture of these passages. There's 38 of them in here. These are verses on obedience. These are verses on obedience. Take a picture of this. And I encourage you in the next several days and weeks or whatever, look them up. Tonight, we're not going to have any breakout rooms because I want us to, to, again, just ponder this lesson. Maybe you want to have a time of prayer by yourself with your God, you know, then do it. That's what I want us to do tonight. It's a question of life and death and the choices we make. And I pray that as Christians, that we'll continue to choose life every day. We'll continue to obey God every day so that one day when our time comes, when we cross over, that you and I will not experience the second death. I hope this has been helpful. And um, I'm going to, I believe I asked our sister Geraldine to close us with a word of prayer. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, let's have a great uh, evening and a great rest of uh, the week. And we'll see each other on Sunday, God willing, at 88 Hansen Place. God bless you all.